G'day and welcome back to the podcast. Darren Mitchell here. Another phenomenal conversation coming to you on this episode. I had the privilege of sitting down and speaking with Tiffany Cook, who is a phenomenal human being, a fellow podcaster, storyteller, speaker, about all things how to embrace uncertainty, how to back ourselves, get out of our comfort zone, and stop comparing ourselves to other people. We had a phenomenal time on the podcast, and I hope you enjoy it, listening to it as much as I enjoyed having the conversation with Tiffany. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Tiffany Cook, welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. So great to have you on today, mate. Darren Mitchell, I'll say yes to anything that has exceptional in the title. <laughs> Isn't that great? And look, you and I spoke, I think we've been connected for about a month. I just had a look. We connected on LinkedIn because I heard you on another podcast and I thought I've got a, I was really intrigued by your story, which I'd like to talk a little bit about today and uh, delve into a little bit of the of the mindset of Tiffany Cook and certainly oh, from, a, from a leadership point of view in, in sales and what you're doing now. But mm. you and I were having a conversation the other day and when you answered the phone, I'm thinking, my God, I recognize the voice. And we were having, isn't it interesting that when you're listening to podcasts and you end up talking to the person on the podcast, it's like, well, we know each other <laughs> and yet we've never actually met. <laughs> It builds such a relationship and it's funny to be on the other end of that, you know, like as a, as a listener to a particular show, you'll develop a relationship. You'll, you will have this one way that feels like two way, this one way relationship with the host and you really get to know them. And then when you're on the other side of that, and I said to you the other day, how funny it is when people that you don't think you know you sit down next to an event or something then you're having a chat and they're chatting about your life and you're like oh so you gotta have this familiar conversation with a complete stranger and what a weird scenario it is isn't it but the other thing with that is you've got to be really because i've in in the industries that i've worked in and continue to they're actually quite big but also quite small so you've got to be really careful what you say and who you share because you could be rattling on to somebody and, and there's somebody listening to your podcast, listening to all your stories and you're sitting next to them at an event and it's it's like this authenticity that you need to be really conscious of, which we all should be doing anyway, but mm. um, because people can call you on it. Because the oh, thing with podcasts, I'm not sure whether you found this, but you don't know who's listening. No, no, And you sometimes don't. you hope that people are listening, but you don't know whether they're listening or not. Yeah, I think I mentioned to you it's like, I'm just so honest and to the point where, and you know what, it's, it's been really liberating from the standpoint of, I think that before podcasting in this world of, co- you know, I've, I've been a boxing coach, I do some epigenetics, I do a performance coach, I do all this coaching and teaching's always kind of been in my wheelhouse, but all of a sudden I went from never having the confidence in the technical knowledge. Like I need to learn more. I need to learn that I need to grab hold and not forget the, the terminology and the science and the research. And I need to be able to spew that out. I get on the show now and I am more than happy, like not even more than happy. I am 
there to be the dumbest in the room. I'm there with my curious self and I don't filter and I ask the really, I ask dumb questions that I know some people must go be like, she seriously not know that? (laughs) Because I don't know, like now, and it's funny because I felt like as a, as a, someone who's coaching and teaching and leading, mm. shouldn't I be mindful that people, you know, I don't want to discredit myself. But it's like, nah, mate, there are way more questions in this world than answers. And I'm just here asking them. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know about answers. I don't, I don't think we need to kind of search for them as, as hard and inflexibly as we do. And do you think it takes a bit of pressure off you certainly as, and we'll go, we'll talk about coaching and stuff as well, but as a coach, as a mentor, as a leader, do you reckon it takes pressure off you to have to have the answer to say, hey, I don't know, but I'm okay with not knowing because I think that's actually more of an attractive trait that will bring people to you because you're not pretending to be somebody who you're not. You just took the words right out of my mouth because I've had far more people come to me to open up about a conversation because all I have, because I have resources, I have so many resources and a really curious way of thinking. Like I tend to to go down rabbit holes that that people are like, oh, I never really thought of that. You know, I'm just such a thinker, and yeah, it's definitely it's definitely brought people towards me. And I guess that's why it felt then so comfortable to let go, let go of any need to be certain, need to be right. You yeah. know, yep, I'm trying this. Yep, this is what I believe right now. But hey, guess what? In a month, I might have learned something new and be completely wrong. And in a month, you might listen to me talk about the same topic and completely contradict what I've just said now. But that's simply a, a, a reflection on the fact that you've grown, you've developed, you've improved. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing I tell you know anybody that's listening around leadership and particularly sales is if you focus on not having to have all the answers and don't put the pressure on yourself, but think about, can I get better today than I was yesterday? But I'm going to try and get better even tomorrow further than I was today. You'll be making progress. So yeah. don't don't put the pressure on yourself to have all the answers and get stuff right because guess what? You will make mistakes. It is a requirement of getting through life. You've got to stuff up. Yes. Right? Yeah. And hey, a bit of feedback for you. I was, I was intrigued. Um, <laughs> oh, no, as you're talking about not getting things perfect and technology and stuff like that, I listened to the podcast you did with Janine Ellis. Uh, was it last week or the week yes. before? And um, at one point in your episode, you were talking the fact that uh, we were having a great conversation, but then I realized that I wasn't recording. <laughs> and then you hear Janine that's in a car, then she's on a moped, then she was in a boat. But any, 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 I guess, quote unquote, sane person might have looked at that and said, how can you do that, right? You've got to get the technology right. You've got to sound right. You've got to be really clear of your image. And I'm getting to a question around this. Um, but you, you came across as being, you know what? It is what it is. I'm having a genuine conversation with another human being and we're sharing some gold with each other. And it doesn't matter about where the environment is, how much noise is there, whether the technology is working or not. And guess what? If we had a conversation and we forgot something and I wasn't recording it, we'll go over it again. It's all good. <laughs> I took so much out of that scenario. Like, A, as you heard on there, I thought it was hilarious. I was, you know, I was sick of being serious that week and I just laughed so much. She gets in the car. She's in a car to start with. She's in a Tesla. And mid-sentence, all of a sudden, the Tesla switches on, goes to Wi-Fi and it's all echoey and weird stuff's happening. And she's like, oh, hang on. So that happened two or three times. Then she gets out of that. She gets on the moped. Then she had to get back in, in the car. So she's in the car with the kids 
cruising along. And then, like I said, she's she's out of the car. She's walking. She's packing stuff up. She walks over. She's putting her security code into some to get on a boat. Then next minute, we she's like, I'll call you back in a minute. Cool. But in the middle of that, the thing was she didn't skip a beat. Her mind and her ability to be, well, A, most people you might think if that ever happened, you'd think, like, she, hey, she's pretty high profile. Yes. So you would think, oh, she doesn't give a shit, like, oh, this is not important to her. Yeah, it was. But she has the ability to do exactly what she just talk about and give value. She didn't skip a beat. But no. I just went, Wow. What does a person need and how does a person need to conduct themselves in their life to have the ability to be like that in the middle of a situation? And isn't that testament to, like, actually, it's not that this podcast is not important to her. It's quite the opposite. It's so important that she's on the, in the middle of a bloody whatever she's doing and she's like, yes, I'll do that. I won't yeah. cancel it. Yeah. I'll do it and yeah. I'll just get it done in the middle of this because it's important. Because it would have been easy to cancel. Right? Oh yeah, and and I know that you you've come out of corporate. I've come out of corporate. And how many times have we seen and do we see people in corporate doing a presentation, running a meeting, having to get everything right, be really clear on what they have to say to make sure they get the wording right and all the other stuff. And then you get into a boardroom and the technology doesn't work. What do people do? Well, sometimes people go to water. Oh yeah. What Janine is is has demonstrated, and I, and I want to touch on this because I I think you're of the same ilk is the ability to, and I, and I always have trouble saying this this word, Tiff, and it's about compartments and it's compartmentalised. Did, did I say that? I love this that... because in the podcast I did yesterday, I, attempt, I say it a thousand times, but in this particular <laughs> podcast I was like, comp, 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 about five times and the guest goes compartmentalised and I'm like, compartment- the one. Compart- I can't. I, I... Compartments. You can't, comp- <laughs> you can't compartmentalize the word. <laughs> so from from your and I know you do a lot of stuff and you I want to talk a little bit about you know how you got into sales and and the story of Tiffany a little bit. But um, how do you do that today? So how do you as as a leader, as a podcast, as people who are as we just talked about before we press record, you're gonna you're gonna do a um, an interview with or do some work with a very famous Australian woman who is a who is, I won't reveal that person because you'll be able to do that in your own time but um <laughs> how do you how do you how do you compartmentalize what are some things are there a specific strategy that you use in order to stay focused despite all the chaos that is going around mm, this is an interesting one and I learned a lot a lot about myself in 2020 yep. for a couple of reasons a well a because we just pivoted and found ourselves in the middle of the war zone and what i love about that is uh, i've always i'm always an advocate of stepping out you got to step out of your, away from your life and your routine to get perspective on it. you can't get perspective mm. on what you're in the middle of so that's what that did because it broke all routine and normality and then there's a new way of thinking and you just kind of look at it and go oh so i learned a lot about myself but in that time i did epigenetic um, course. So I mm-hmm. learned, uh, did a course in epigenetics and learned about that. And that was fascinating, right? Because I got my own profile and along with epigenetics, not only, so obviously I'm a fitness coach as well. I, I'm from that fitness world and performance coaching. Not only was there a physiological, a physical aspect to that, but it was behavioral. So I learned about how my brain worked and my behaviors worked. And these behavioral drivers were epigenetically driven. So all of a sudden, there's a lot of stuff I would beat myself up on on 
not be like I am shocking if I'm not interested in something I can't focus that is it like I am I cannot sit still I you know there's all these things being consistent at stuff I'm super shit I need a lot of variety I like to start things straight away I don't like monotonous stuff don't get me bog me down with the details I want it to look good be loud get out there let's go <laughs> and you know once I learned that these were biological markers then I learned how to work with them. So I learned, okay, so in my prototype, I need a lot of variety. So I need a balance of variety and consistency. Yeah. So how do I structure my day and what's important to me and why? And But the funny thing was when I started podcasting, all of a sudden I'd sit at that computer for eight hours a day. I wouldn't get up. Like normally I'm getting up, getting down, getting food, eating 4,000 things that I'm not even hungry for, like just looking for something to occupy my mind and my bloody stomach but all of a sudden it was like okay it's four o'clock I'll have some dinner at six I'll get this done four hours later I'm like it's eight o'clock I should go and get that dinner I am actually starving I'm sitting at a computer because I'm just obsessed so I found this flow and this focus but um one thing that I'm doing now that's a real challenge but it you know it's detrimental if we don't do it but that's delegating getting rid of the stuff so i don't i am no longer am i going to ask myself to focus on the things that i hate doing that i do not that i'm not that don't light me up because it Mm. stifles my creativity and i've done that for too long so i take on too much i don't hand the boring stuff over and then all of a sudden there's less time for that creativity to come out yeah awesome Hey, I don't want to ask a silly question, but there might be somebody listening to this right now that is thinking, hang on, Tiff just dropped some really interesting phrase there and it was a study of epi what? (laughs) Epigenetics. And epigenetics is basically uh, like the marrying up of your genes, your genetics and the environmental factors that switch switch things on and off. Got it. So we have our genes, we're born with our genes, but then the environment that we live in, the, the way we eat, the food we eat, the people we socialize with, the, the homes we live in, the things we do for a job, all of these things are, in, are affected by or affect who we are. And how we how we evolve, you know, like, for example, for from purely, I guess, a fitness space, there's an epigenetic type that's called a diplomat, they are late morning, they are night owls, right? So you look at people want to get fit, most people go like, Oh, you got to get up at 5am in the morning, and you got to do a hit class. Well, these 60% of these people in Australia, I believe that's around the number 60% of them, their body type is the type that if they get up at 5am, and they do a hit class in the morning, they're in a worse physiological state for the rest of the day, they've increased their cortisol, they've going to be under more stress all day, they're actually going to hold on to if not gain weight from that activity. Interesting. Very interesting. Wow. That is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. It's like kind of similar to that. And a lot of salespeople listening to this will be likely be familiar with the disc profiling. Yeah. So you're looking at personalities. Well, this goes, yeah. this goes really deep. So it, it, it goes into, it's your hormonal profile. It's your, it's your background. It's Chinese medicine. It's, it, it brings in like a ridiculous amount of different therapies that measure and give you accuracy on, you know, what to eat, how to, how to think, how to access your genius zone, how to think, when to think, when, what times of day your chronobiology, what times of day 
that you should do things. It's quite incredible. You know, like one, I... one silly thing, or it sounds silly, one thing that made a big difference to me. And you know, some things are obvious and some things you go, oh, yeah, I know that about me. Why don't I do that? Oh, yeah, I know that or I naturally do that. Because if we listen to ourselves, we would naturally do what's best for us. Of course. But we override that with our, with our analytical brains. We're like, oh, but Bob down the road, he's doing this and he's really good at that. So I'll do that. And then we override shit. And yeah. then we add stress to our system and, and stuff doesn't work. But one of the funny things was my profile kind of told me you have a lot of bright, a lot of different colors in your environment. And I was like, at the time I went, oh, I could never decide on what colors to have. So everything was, was black, white or gray. In my, you know, so, <laughs> With a bit of blue. Yeah. So I went and bought some colorful plants and I bought some colorful artwork and and I felt beautiful in that space. And I went, oh, isn't that interesting, right? Because I need variety in what I see as well as what yeah. I do. Yeah. So it's a visual stimulus. Yeah. It's, it's so intriguing because then you look at people in any career who either follow the herd or are told what to do, how to think based on the role they're in, the responsibility they have mm. and the objectives they have to meet. Yeah. And it, it makes, it begs the question, how many of us are actually in a career that we don't like doing things we hate, but going through and doing it because we think this is all there is or yeah. I can't see any alternative, but tapping into self and I know your, your I guess, pathway to where you are today is, is do we say eclectic? <laughs> it's been an interesting wander through life. Because <laughs> you're, you're from Tassie. Because I, I do want to um, I do want to explore a little bit. I mean, you did spend a bit of time in sales and I know you grew up in Tasmania. You came across to the mainland. Um, or the smaller island depends on how you view it from from Tasmania. <laughs> um, and you did spend a bit of time in corporate sales. And you said to me the other day that you were unwillingly put into sales because people saw you had a, a capability. And then you was it? Did you say you grew to love it because you knew you, you found out more about yourself? Or tell us yeah. tell us about that. How, what what got you into sales first of all? But then what was it that said you know what? There's something in this. Yeah, very interesting. I was, a, I was a people person and spent a lot of my early working years um, working in hospitality, be it as a second job or just when I was younger as, as my first jobs. And so my first job that ended up nudging me out into sales for a portion of the time was at a print company. Mm-hmm. And I was doing, you know, I was customer service and operations. So I was out the front and you know good with people right so people go oh, you're good with people you can do sales but I didn't uh, I was also one of those people that you think you're you think they're an extrovert but they're actually not mm. so I wasn't that confident I might have appeared really confident but I wasn't really confident and I definitely wasn't someone to ask for a sale and it so it felt awkward to me and I and I all every time and so that um, workplace put me out into sales and then I went and worked for another place and they ended up after a couple of years they I remember my boss sitting down and going oh, I've written up this for a salesperson give have a look at it what do you reckon and I was like oh yeah cool and he's like do you want it do you want the job and now I had I'd left that company at some point and then I'd come back so I'd worked there I'd left and then I'd come back and it at that point in time wasn't digging my job wasn't digging it there I was like uh I'm on my way out. So he showed me that and I was like, whoa, that a lot of money. That a lot of money. <laughs> and a car. I was like, and a car. 
I'm out of here soon. I may as well take this for now because by the time he realizes I'm crap at it, I'll be gone. I'll get another <laughs> job. But every time I was in a sales position, that was my in the back of my mind. I just thought I'm hanging on to this. It feels very temporary because when they figure out or when it's obvious that I ain't going to be any good at this, I'm going to have to have the next thing lined up. And funnily, <laughs> funnily enough, I left there, went to another place, sold some print consumables for a while. Then that particular boss put me in for another job within a big print group that had come up. And this was their first salesperson. So I was going to be the only person on the sales team, which really suited me because, you know, I liked to run my own race and, you know, no. I wasn't, you know, I wouldn't, I would not make a sales call in the office. I would go sit in the car and make, so I wouldn't make a sales call in front of people. I wouldn't do role playing like at that, all of that. Nah, not my jam. Yeah. Um, and it was really at the point where I had decided I'd started doing PT part time and that took right off to the point where I, within six months I was like, okay, I either need to stop saying yes to clients or I need to throw like, throw away the corporate chair and give this a go. Mm. And so I felt, so I chose to give it a go. But the, what was hard then is when I took that job, I had it 18 months. When I took it, I thought, yeah, I'll do the, I'll do the business development um, for new business. And when I've got myself a little, I'll account manage then. So I'll go and get it and then I'll just account manage my little crew. But once I started bringing that in, I, I realized I really, I really enjoyed that. And it wasn't until I spoke to another salesperson, friend of mine, and I was just feeling like I was so used to working hard work for money. Like I, when I was in hospitality, I worked hard and fast and kept everyone happy and you're on at this, you start at this time and you paid until this time and you work all of that time. Yeah. And then you go into a sales role where it's, it's results-based. And so I felt like this new, this amount of flexibility and free range to make my own choices and decide when I'm going to go knock on doors or when I'm going to pick up the phone or what I'm going to do all day. It felt, I felt internally quite dishonest. I felt like, I don't know if I'm working hard enough. <laughs> like, cause I'm, cause I'm, I just wasn't used to that structure. And I spoke to my friend and he was like, you don't understand. You do what people want. You're knocking on doors cold and walking mm. into businesses and building a relationship that wasn't there before people don't do that he goes you don't do that for eight hours a day non-stop like you need you need to compartmentalize That's just it. to use our word of the day <laughs> <clears throat> but and that was a new mindset for me i was like oh you're bloody well right like that's it's a it's an art you gotta you know it's a kind of a form of creativity and you need to to manage your energy and your emotions so that you, you're putting your best. It's like being a performer, I guess. Like yeah. you don't perform yeah. eight hours a day. You perform for a portion of the time and then you work around that on being your best self and being ready for the performance. So that was interesting to me. And what did you, because a lot of it, a lot of it, and I talk to a lot of, a lot of salespeople and a lot of leaders about, you know, that they're wanting to improve their sales capability. But they're focused more on how do I improve my closing techniques or my prospecting techniques or how do I learn more about the product or the methodology? And I say, you're missing the point. The whole point of being a great salesperson is you're a great problem solver. Yeah. 
Yeah. And in order to be a great problem solver, you need to know how to sell yourself. And it's not saying how good you are. It's the art of actually building, building relationships and being able to communicate effectively with people who are different to you. Yes. So if, if you look back on, because I know you're a great communicator because of the of people that now gravitate to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we will, we will plug your podcast towards the end of today as well. So um, if you look back at that, at that career, because I believe everything that we do leads to the next step and ultimately leads to what we're doing today and preparing us for something even greater. So if you look back now on all the things you've done, um, what, what do you think the biggest lesson was for Tiffany that has led you now to be the person you are? Who, by the way, and I say this respectfully, is still a work in progress. <laughs> Big work in progress. <laughs> but getting prepared for even bigger things. Yeah. Oh, when I look, one of my favorite things to do is looking back and seeing the little lily pads we've leapt, leapt upon to get to the other end of the pond. You know, you think you get from point A to point B and then you look back and it just feels so deliberate. You go, oh, that to that to that to that. Like that same boss that I worked for that put me in for the other job, he merged companies and that other company had the, a networking membership. So he comes in, he's like, all right, I'm going from manager, I'm going into production. You're a salesperson, you have to go to these meetings. Yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> I wouldn't sleep the night before. You have to talk for 60 seconds in front of 15 people. You stand up and you say, hey, I'm Tiff. I sell business cards, want to buy some. 60 seconds, not hard. Not rocket science. Don't have to study for it. I know what I do. I've been doing it for 10 years. Um, I would shake. I was petrified. I could sit down afterwards and I, I couldn't stop my hands from shaking to pick up my knife and fork to eat my couldn't eat my poached eggs you don't know how much i love poached eggs and i would just look at it like you bastards <laughs> like i can't eat it. you know it was terrifying to me but that was you know because of that i mean the first win with that was a couple of years down the track i got to give the eulogy at my nan's funeral when she passed yeah and i'd always been great at expressing words in in cards to family and things but when my mum got to ask me that because she valued what i always had to say in cards and i had the ability now which i wouldn't never have before i had the ability to stand up in front of a room and speak about my nan from the heart and that was amazing but i mean look at me now I sit in front of this microphone banging out, banging, look, well, not banging the best, but banging on with the best people, you know, <laughs> in the world. Like I pinch myself. Yeah. And so it's stepping out of a comfort, it's living in on the edge of discomfort all the time would be the yeah. finally, finally answer your question. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> I, I, I love that answer because it's, um, it's so true. And if you think about it, every single one of us, we're a work in progress, right? And yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really open. I say I'm one of the most flawed human beings on the planet, right? But what you see is what you get. What you hear is what you get. But I'm really genuine in terms of my intention and I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And I know because even like I facilitate, I coach, I, I do all sorts of stuff. I do a podcast. Funny about that. We're on one now. <laughs> <laughs> what a good idea. Speaking of bleeding obvious. <laughs> but I but I learned to because I was the same, right? So I'm I'm if if we look back at profiling, I'm I'm an introvert right? If we're in a social situation, I'm the person that would much rather sit in the corner and just observe people mm. and have conversations one-on-one, -on -one, but I'm not necessarily the one to say, hey, Tiff, I'm Darren, how are you going? I'm not the person to do that, right? More than happy to engage you, but I learned certainly through my own sales career that if I was to have any possible 
um, opportunity to be successful, I had to get out of my comfort zone and I had to keep getting out of it every single day. Yeah. So for me, things like this podcasting, it's, it's completely out of my comfort zone, right? Because yeah. some days I'll wake up and think, shit, what am I going to talk about today? I've got no idea, but I'll have an inspiration. I'll get a word and I'll say, right, I've just got to record something and just trust the stuff is going to come. Yeah. It's really interesting. You know, I love that you've asked this and I love that this is a sales conversation because I haven't had one focused on sales and leadership before. But what's interesting is one of the biggest things I talk about when I tell my story of stepping into the boxing ring for the first time and what I learned from that. And it become the most powerful metaphor for my entire life. And I could bang on about it for hours. But the thing with that was the stepping out of your comfort zone and also the idea that this carry on in my head had nothing to do with reality and it's always there and it's still there today but there's 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 two voices there's one that tells you that you're absolutely crap at everything but that when i think about it now like i say that that boxing taught me that but boxing just showed me a new perspective of that because i'd been doing it for years in the sales game yeah I'd had this message in my head. I kept stepping out into the into the boxing ring of sales, yeah. getting punched in the face, and so I was already doing it. And I, you know, I love. I always tell people to find the thing, the activity that fills them up with joy, but also allows them to explore those uncomfortable parts of progress because that's progress like that was I went I stepped out of my first fight and I was watching the next fight and I just won it and I, I mean. You've probably heard the whole story on, on the other podcast, but long story short, I sat in this few moments after the fight and inside my mind, I went, that's, that's, this is life. Like yeah. that was 12 weeks of constant terror, discomfort, fear, change, routine, dedication, pain, tears, everything. It was it was 12 weeks of that and I felt sick the day of the fight. I, I said, I'll never, ever, 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 ever do something like this again. Nothing in the world could be worth how I feel right now in my body, in my mind, nothing. And Was that before you jumped into the ring? Yep. Because yep. I know... That was the if, whole and, day before. Yeah, because I, I remember you talking about this and that that you, you're thinking to yourself and having this conversation, why am I doing this? Yeah. What, it was the day of, the day of. It was terrible. But, and then it was over in six minutes. And I went, this is life, right? This is, life is 12 weeks. of So stop fluffing around thinking that you're just always going to go and find something comfortable. You're going to live in discomfort for 12 weeks for a, for a six-minute win. By yep. the way, it wasn't six minutes. I won four and a half minutes in. So just throw <laughs> that in there. <laughs> Which was another lesson. I knew I was the worst person. I was a terrible boxer. I was a terrible boxer until I was in the ring and the bell rang, right? So I, me being, me telling myself and knowing, I knew, and I wasn't just being self-deprecating, I was the least expected in the gym to win. I yep. wasn't the favourite in that fight. I yep. wasn't going to be the favourite in anyone any fight that they put me in with because I was pretty uncoordinated and they were like, I don't think she's going to win. I didn't. I, so it's not just self-deprecating. I wasn't great, right? Doesn't matter. So when you think you're not great, do it anyway because it doesn't matter. Because And the interesting point there is you probably didn't have, nor did anybody else have, huge expectations as to what your performance is going to be like. So probably had nothing to lose 
other than thinking I might get punched in the face and my nose broken, right? The funny thing was absolutely terrified of losing, obviously, and knew that I was the worst in the gym, but there was something in my mind set that also I had something to prove to me and I but I knew I, it was like I felt like I had this secret that I will win this there was this determination and so there was this other voice that was like I will win at any cost yeah. it's going to happen so that was interesting to me to have the two the two things bantering away in my my busy little mind <laughs> and did that does that does that play out in like the profiling you've done and gaining a better understanding of yourself. Obviously there's this vulnerable part of you that says, you know, I'm not quite sure I might be going into an environment with a bit of trepidation, but underneath that, I say, you know what? Look at that. I'm still going to give it my best. And I'm, I'm a chance here. Was that, yeah. or was that something you discovered through the, through putting yourself into the ring? Both the epigenetic profiling. So there's, there's, oh mate, there's so many, the more I talk on this podcast, the more like perspectives come in. So it's like whatever, wherever you stand in this whole circle of life and look at a problem, there's 3,000 different answers that you can see. So it's like yeah. where do you even start with something? Yeah. But in terms of my profiling, um, risk is something that I chase. Things that fuel my – so I'm ad adrenaline and testosterone dominant in terms of the hormonal profiling. So stepping into a to a fight or flight, literal boxing ring, yep, yep. that's something I want to do. Stuff that stands out st and I'm an action taker. So just stepping in and, and like talk now, think later is kind mm. of <laughs> what they say about it. They call us an activator and I am <laughs> highly activated. Um, and But then there was also, and you would have heard that on the other show, that it, what had come up through stepping in the ring was – a life that I'd shoved into a deep dark corner of childhood sexual abuse and childhood trauma. So there were all of, so there was, there were, there was epigenetics, there were genetic predispositions and then there were environmental predispositions and there were traumas and there were all of these things that, that have a meaning when I step into an environment. Yeah. And it was only through the, the attraction into this environment and the staying in there and just feeling, just questioning why am I here? Why am I all of a sudden wanting to come back to do something that I don't feel like I'm good at and it's hard and it's frightening? And, but it's not fright. Like people go, aren't you scared of a punch in the face? And I, I didn't feel that. So I was questioning why. Why is my perspective on this whole thing different? Yeah. And I guess at the same time, those memories of the, the things that I'd suppressed come up and I was like, that's interesting that, I haven't thought about this for 20, over 20, like 20 years. I haven't thought of this for 20 years. This doesn't, why is this continually popping into my head like a little cartoon? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, curiosity. Yeah. And just embracing, embracing new things and, and the unknown, but discovering yeah. in the process more about yourself and what you're, <clears throat> excuse me, what you're capable of. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I, and I, I, I love, I love movies and I happen to watch, have you seen the movie Coach Carter? No. Coach Carter, it's a phenomenal movie about um, Coach Ken Carter who took on the basketball coaching role of Richmond High School. It's based on a true story. Wow. Samuel L. Jackson plays the role and essentially takes a bunch of misfit kids who don't want to go to school, completely dysfunctional, they can't play as a team, and he turns them around to pretty much get to a point where they can get in a position to win. I think it's the like the state championship 
they lose on the last show on the last shot right mm. but the whole point about that is he was he was teaching them about life because it became a huge metaphor that we are more capable than we believe we are capable yeah. of yeah and environment for many people becomes an excuse to hold us back yep yep and in the movie and i recorded a podcast i think last week about this and i mentioned this that you know he asked one of the players what is your deepest fear right and eventually at some point towards the end of the movie the guy came out and he he recited a poem which is quite a a famous poem he said our greatest fear is not well our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond all measure and and towards to that effect yeah and it was a really interesting storyline to follow and from a leadership point of view because i just love studying metaphors around leadership and how it can be applied yes it's not so much the zero from hero story but it's the process we go through to become better at what we do despite what the circumstances might suggest despite what the environment suggests and despite what some of the best well-meaning people around us may suggest but in spite of all that people became extraordinary individuals and went on to go to university and played high level basketball um, of which they probably would never have had that opportunity had coach carter not taken an interest in them so as you were talking i'm thinking well this is just another great metaphor for jumping in to an environment which is unknown yeah but having the courage to do it anyway because you don't know what the outcome is going to be yeah. but trust that you'll be able to deal with whatever you find yourself having to deal with in that particular moment because you'll find a way. Mm. I was having a similar conversation around, it's probably not similar at all, got nothing to do with <laughs> Just me like pretending so I can change the subject. <laughs> change and, um, away. <laughs> so in a conversation this morning, now I can't remember what it was about. <laughs> it was about, um, no, it's gone now. Look, see what well, happens. Just think backwards. Down. Just think backwards in your mind. Just walk backwards. I'm always thinking backwards. It was about people. Um, that's where my that's where my um, memory ends. That's all right. It'll come to you just when you'll probably it'll I'll probably come you to you just as we, <laughs> we get off. <laughs> now you um you jumped in the boxing ring at 29. Yeah. And it was uh, and I know you're still you're still training people um and doing all that sort of stuff. If there was if there was a key lesson, and this I want to draw this back to leadership and, and sales and stuff. If there was a key lesson for you that came out of the boxing realm, because it is a metaphor for life, yeah. That there'll be a person listening now that might be in a in a state of, well, I'm not quite sure. Do I take the leap from being a salesperson into a sales leader? Do I change opportunities because there's an opportunity for me to go to, but I'm not sure. Because I'm hanging on because I know this is this organization is a known quantity. I've got my car, I've got my super, all that sort of stuff. I get paid pretty well. Mm-hmm. I get to account manage rather than do the, the business development stuff, right? Is there one lesson that you took away from that boxing experience that you held on to and always come back to that you could share with somebody who perhaps is a little bit like I don't know, I'm not I'm not sure whether anxious is the right word, but a little bit concerned about stepping out. Mm-hmm. I think I'm thinking of a time where I was sparring a girl and this just comes back to what I said before really, but I was sparring a girl and she was a few weight, a couple of weight divisions heavier with 
I think about a decade more experience than me. She'd won quite a few titles and I just joined this gym and she was my stable mate and she was a bit of a bulldog. She had a body shot that she had a body shot that when she landed her body shot on me, my back rib would get a sharp pain in it. It was quite off putting, you know, like, oh, and so I was doing sparring with it. And in this particular gym, the ring was tiny. So there was, so this, no room to this, hide. No, but this gym produced uh, a like quite step up, bra- not brawly, but step up, busy little fighters because there was nowhere to go. There wasn't there wasn't that massive ring to get around and move around. So they were into it. Um, as was I as a as a fighter, I was quite the work rate fighter. But I step we we did some sparring and then I got out of the ring and I sat down. And I was so frustrated. I was sitting there having a little sulky sulk. I was like, this is bullshit. And my trainer comes up. He's like, what's the matter? What's the matter with you? And I said, oh, I'm sick of, you know, whatever I whinged at, you know, not getting any better. And he's like, are you serious? No one has ever put that pressure on Carly, ever. Wow. And that's the best you've ever sparred threw my headgear down i'm like what a shit sport what a <laughs> shit sport because right now in this moment i've done the best i've ever done and i've actually put it up taken it up to a girl far better than me for the first time better than anyone else has and i'm sitting here in this and my reality is i'm not getting any better at this i'm shit and it's just like ignore what you bloody think like just do the work go in do the work it's always going to be uncomfortable and that voice is always going to be sitting on your shoulder it still sits on mine most days sometimes i whack it give it a a whack i'm like shut up you know but it's there and that's the only thing that's the difference of why do some people make it and some not I, i listen to it still far more than i should yeah yeah i'd have a lot of my tasks i you know like i look at how quickly my business evolved and you know from from starting this podcast from zero into creating a whole new world that i now now work in Mm. and it's evolved so fast but also it is i'm holding it back i am i'm sit on the outside occasionally go you are holding that back it's like a racehorse ready to win and you're like jamming that bit so far back into its mouth you're about to rip its head off it's like it's (laughs) frustrating it can be and how much of that though is i think something all of us at some point suffer from and that is the comparison to others Like a little bit of the old imposter syndrome might flow in and say, I don't think I'm as good as Tiffany. I could never do what Tiffany does. Look at her. She's lucky. Look, of course, Tiffany can do that. Look at her background. Look at who she's connected with. Yeah. Really? (laughs) I said this recently too. I also produce on the You Project. The You Project. (laughs) You Project. (laughs) Oh, dear. God. The You Project with Craig Harper, and he's been someone that I've stalkishly followed for quite a while, and mentor, um, volunteered at his events to, you know, to, to be to learn from him and be around him, and I've had coaching sessions with him, and eventually, three three months into doing my own podcast, I pick up the phone, and he's like, I got an idea, and he asked me to work with him on his show, and I was like. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, recently this year, I I caught myself beating myself up silently in the back of my mind 
it's somewhere just past the real consciousness. I was beating myself up because I didn't have the knowledge and the skills and the life experience of this 58 year old that's had businesses with thousands of staff as been to university and now is doing a PhD in neuropsychology and I'm beating myself up that the girl that's done this for under two years sitting with some of the smartest people in the world in their field having really quite intri intriguing and intelligent conversations and I'm picking apart why why don't I know what he knows why can't I oh my goodness like, Isn't that interesting? The, it's ridiculous. Punch me in the face. Like, <laughs> how, how, when is enough? Like, when are we going to sit down and go, hey, congratulations, self. Well done, Tiff. You've actually moved a mountain. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is this is the one of the biggest challenges I think all most of us have, and particularly leaders, is the conversation we have with ourselves when nobody's around, when we're thinking, and we are. I'd like. I'm interested in your take on this. I believe we are almost genetically predisposed to the negative anyway. Oh, so we when we get feedback and say, oh, that, that sales call was horrendous, right? That The way you presented that pitch was just shit house. Yeah. Thinking, really? Well, don't forget it. Well, forget about the 10 that were extraordinary, right? Let's just focus on the one that was absolutely woeful. We do that. Yeah. But we need to train ourselves to say, well, yeah, I've got this opportunity and of course I deserve this. Yes. Why, why not? Why not? And why not me? Yeah. Don't we have it, to know everything? No. It is it is genetic and it is it is biological and it is for a reason and I think knowing that brings us the ability to be have be self-compassionate. It's like I'm always going to feel like this and I'm so we're tall poppy is a big thing in Australia. Yeah. So we never want to stand out or big note ourselves, but also says she who spends her whole <laughs> life trying to stand out. Sitting here, big noting herself. <laughs> but, you go for it, Tiff. But we're like, so we're biologically wired to be pack animals because if we weren't back in back in the day, we get killed by a lion. Like it is dangerous. So our neurobiology is wired for however many years we've been alive for. Should know, can't remember. <laughs> anyway, more than thirty-eight. <laughs> That's how many I have. But um. It, we're hardwired for that, right? That's not going to change. So so telling yourself you shouldn't, oh, I don't know why, always just like, yeah, we're always going to be terrified to stand out. And guess what? We Confirmation bias says that we're going to be like the people that we're around. But what the problem lies within, I am a product of my environment and the people I've chosen to be in it yep. or the people that happen to be in it. And my biology wants me to fit in there. And then I sit here and I go, I'm not actually happy with this mediocre life. I'm going to go and get this job and be this. And I want to be up there. But mm -hmm. everything in that environment is going to get a little bit upset when you start to shift out because, and they want to they, yeah, right? So they're going to pull you back. Oh, we want you to be the same. Or you're going to feel the difference and your biology is going to go, no, you've got to be the same. Mm. So that's going to happen. You've got to expect that and go, well, that's going to be part of it. I'm going to have to put up with a little bit of that. I'll, you know, maybe I need to change the environment I'm around. Yeah. We're going to yep. do everything we can to support what it takes to change. And I think it's the small things. Like it, I, I see that a change of environment, like a change of job could be a macro change. Could for many people could be a big change, but just start with the small changes, right? Yeah. Start in terms of your, and now we can all go back to the office. If you go a certain way to the office, 
and you do it every single day and you don't even have to think about it. You just get, get in the car and you get to the office and you think, shit, how did I get here? Well, instead of turning left out of your driveway, turn right and go a different way. Change the strategy because yeah. when you change the strategy, you'll get a different result. But you'll also learn that maybe there's something in the environment by turning right that you haven't seen for a while or that you didn't know was there. And it's now expanded your awareness and taken on something new that, you know what, I've now learned something different. I've yeah. now increased my understanding. Yeah, yeah. I think also for people with managers or in teams, like just the ability to communicate with the, you know, if you know about yourself, what I knew about myself and the, and the great thing for me was I was never really in a team. I was in these businesses where they, they wanted a salesperson and I was kind of it. So I had a lot of autonomy and I wouldn't have worked in a team. I would never have gone for a job where you're part of a sales team. You have to do sales structures and, and be in a room. And I don't know, like the whole thing terrified me. But what it meant was the, that I would go to my manager and we were figuring it out. There wasn't a process. So yeah. I got to say, hey, this is what... This is the training and the encouragement that I need from you. This is what I need this much from you. And then I need you to F off with the rest. Like I need you to just let me do the rest my way. Yeah. And that works for me. And if you know that works for you, then working any other way may not suit your biology. Like if you know that it's not going to get the best out of you, well, it's a performance role. You've got you to cultivate an environment for performance. Absolutely which from a leadership point of view, it makes it so important to know your people yeah. so well, right? Yeah. Because you know you need to know what, what levers to pull, what buttons to push to be able to unleash the potential of those people because yes. you'll have to lead people differently, even though you've got the same framework and we've all got the same targets or you know we've got to achieve an outcome. Yeah. The way you go about that as a leader is going to be different based on a lot of different yeah. factors, many of which we've spoken about today. Yeah. But it's our ability as leaders to be able to adapt to that environment to then get the best out of our team that will ultimately determine what our legacy is going to be yeah. and in many cases what our next opportunity is going to be. Because if we treat everybody exactly the same and it's like the cookie cutter approach and say it's my way or the highway, that's a very certainty-based, um, it's it's not going to get the outcomes we're looking for. It's yeah. simple, simple as that. Yeah, 100%. Wow. So, hey, I reckon I could talk with you for hours and hours. I know you've got a hard stop. Um, tell us about tell us about Roll the Punches podcast. I, I love I love this story. Um, and also, where can people get get hold of Tiffany Cook? Where can they connect with you? Oh, everywhere, mate. I'm probably cre- probably. Hey, look outside, guys. I'm probably creeping outside your window right now. <laughs> I'm in all the usual places: Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. Um, and the podcast is in all the usual places. So I started that in 2020, had a couple of gyms. They weren't making a, a dime yet. And I was earning my my lunch money doing my personal training and coaching. And the world shut down. And fortunately, I got a, an opportunity to work with Ambulance Victoria paramedics online, keeping them health, fit and healthy during COVID. Yeah. And as part of that, I, th- I threw into the mix. I thought, what about the people that don't want me screaming, do a burpee down the, like, pe- not everyone's going to be into that. They're tired. They're saving the world. They don't need me screaming every day. Let's do Feel Good Friday, where okay. we just catch up and chat and hang out. 
yeah. maybe we'll have a glass of red. Within a couple of weeks, I brought in, I started bringing in a couple of friends. I had a nutritionist, I had an aromatherapy friend that does that. So I was like, come and talk to them about some self-care. You know, I want to give them stuff that can help them through this time and just chat. And then next minute, I had a six-week lineup and I looked at it and went, you'd probably, you'd probably be paying 30 grand to have these as speakers, like these six people. And these are people in my network. Mm. And now I'm bringing conversations in for a really reputable organization. So I went, oh, I've got an opportunity to improve my communication and um, speaking skills, yep. which speaking has always been something I've always loved getting hired for events to speak and teach and run workshops. So I was like, oh, here's it. I can do this. This isn't something I have the ability to do. And I can leverage a higher network by having the affiliation with the paramedic. So I went, I'm going to do this. The other driver for that was two businesses hit pause. I'd put all my dollars into that. Um, and I thought I'd, I'd pretty much said, well, this is, this is bankruptcy. Like this is, I'm going to lose everything with this COVID thing. Like, so, and nothing that I do to earn money in order to, whilst we're in lockdown, nothing that I do is going to be big enough to stop that from happening. So what a shame it would be to chase the dollars yeah, and then in six months lose everything anyway. So I thought I'm going to put my, my energy and focus on the, those two things, the, the skills, the things that can remain with me when, when finances fall apart. And I think if I didn't have that approach, I never would have continued with it. I produced four episodes a week mm. within eight weeks I had my first sponsor I've had sponsors ever since within I don't know a few weeks I got an email didn't know what this was got an email hey hey Tiff you're on you're number eight on the charts for self-improvement podcast in Australia I was like what what are the charts who are you and what are the charts <laughs> you know I had no idea what I was doing so I think naivety is a gift um naivety is definitely a gift when you're when you're going into something new and I love that yeah. Look at me now. I'm on your show, Darren. Oh, yeah. If you weren't world famous before now, Tiff, you certainly are. You certainly are my career. <laughs> but I should be saying, hang on, I, I'm in the presence of greatness because some of the caliber of people you've been speaking with is just oh, phenomenal. And I've got to say, goodness. for anybody listening to this, you need to check out Tiff's Roll with the Punches podcast. And as she says, it's all on, it's all on repu all the reputable podcast platforms, but also probably some of the dodgy ones as well. <laughs> All of the places. That's it. But um, I've I got to say, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. And it feels like, even though, we're, as I said at the start, we've only been connected for a month, but it feels like we've um, we've known each other for a while because I'm listening to you multiple times a week. And uh, from another podcast to, to another one, um, good on you for doing, the, doing what you're doing and keeping the fire burning for the podcast and getting the message out because there's so much great content um, some of the topics are really challenging to listen to, but I think if you if you really look at the message behind it, it's a story of um, resilience. It's a story in many cases of redemption, but it's a story of never giving up. And if you think about that, what we're doing while we're here, it's to make constant progress. So, um, hey, th I, I've re I really enjoy the the podcast, and I've really enjoyed you having having you on the podcast today. Thanks, Darren. I've I've absolutely loved it, and podcasting has brought a lot of epic humans into my life, and you're one of them. I've really enjoyed. No, thank you for reaching out. I've enjoyed this. Excellent, and hopefully, we can do part two. 
because there's got to be some more stories we can talk about. So many stories. Awesome. (laughs) Thanks again, Tiff. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.